from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hey guys, I'm Pete Sanchez. Thanks once again for listening to Talking Catholic. Thanks for making us a part of your, uh, whatever you're doing, a part of your lives. I'm here with Mike Walsh. How are you, Mike? I'm well. We have another special guest, though, with us. We do. We We do. Who who is that, Mike? Who's next to you? Uh, The bane of my existence for the last 18 months. However, also last week's guest. So we we brought her back very quickly. Hey, Donna, what's going on? Hey, Mike, how are you doing? I am not the bane of your existence for 18. It's like 13. Oh, that's right. The whole convocation was the bane for 18 for me. No, it's Don Ottaviano, the director of missionary discipleship and the uh, head of the steering committee for the convocation of Catholic leaders, the joy of the gospel in South Jersey. It's been good. And for those of us who are, those of you who are listening right now, you've probably noticed your podcast feed has been jammed up with plenary after plenary after plenary from the convocation. I'm curious if any of you are actually enjoying it. I know you're listening to it because I get to see the numbers in the feed, um, but I'm wondering if any of you are enjoying it. So feel free to uh, to comment underneath the plenaries and let us know whether you like it. Uh, if, uh, you know particularly the MCs. Donna always likes to know if people like what she has to say during the convocation. I never asked for that feedback, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> and for those of never. you who went to the convocation and our listeners and our listeners, the survey went out for the convocation today. So if you got it in your email uh, box, make sure you uh, you fill it out and send it back to us and let us know uh, what we screwed up. So that'll be good. I right. mean, what you liked, too, but right. most of what we So did. we're really hoping that those who attended the convocation will fill out the survey because it helps us. It helps us for future events that the diocese does. We would like to know the things that you liked about it, the things that meant something to you, and also if you think there are gaps in things that we did. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we talked about this last week, but there were a lot of things, that, a lot of time and effort went into it, but we also know we there was no way to to possibly capture everything that attendees might have been interested in. So we had to do our best to, to, to fill the schedule with things we thought were really important that they be aware of that possibly they hadn't either been exposed to before or hadn't been exposed to recently or hadn't heard sort of best practices about how to adapt it into their own parish life. So that was really the hope of the convocation. But by all means, you know, let us know uh, what you liked and what we missed. And remember, as always, it was Donna's fault if you didn't like it. Um, so can I just add one thing to that? So I'm going to ignore your recent comment. <laughs> so if, we, if Camden Diocese is expected to go forth and live as missionary disciples, then that was part of offering the five, you know, stage presentations by our plenary speakers, as well as the 46 or 47 workshops that we offered is to give people ideas around how they live personally, individually, their baptismal call to discipleship, but also to give them ideas around how you go out and you form other disciples for Jesus. And there are so many people in the world that have not had an encounter that need to be accompanied wherever they are in their lives. And that's our call. So it's really about making sure that we understand those things and how we do that. Okay, just to point out, you've gotten five episodes of the of the podcast and your own episode of the podcast. And we did another episode of the podcast with you uh, like a month earlier. I'm good with the convocation right now. Right, so you're the one that keeps inviting me, Mike, so you have to live with it. This is my office. You know what? This is the hell I put myself into. It's all right. I think Mike realizes that he needs more joy, Donna, and you bring joy. Mike needs more joy for sure. Yes, I think that that's right. kind of the, he might not know he's doing, he, he's asking for joy when he keeps inviting you on, but I think there's a little. Oh, you think that. this is a subconscious plea for me to have more Donna in my life? I think joy, joy, Mike, joy equals Donna, Donna equals joy. Okay, somebody's got to put that on a t-shirt. So what is coming up in the uh, upcoming weeks and months? Well, okay, Peter. this is coming up Tuesday, April 23rd. Let's go around the diocese here. Discovery Ministries is holding their, uh, Discovery Ministries Incorporated is presenting a talk on the history of the opioid crisis and uh, the impact of Ground Zero. For families uh, dealing with this, it's called Wheeling and Dealing. This will be held with uh, Supervisory Special Agent Vito uh, D. Rosselli from the FBI, who works in the Philadelphia Division. And this is going to be at uh, Tuesday, April 23rd at the Woodcrest Country Club in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. On 300 East Evesham Road, there'll be a 5.30 p.m. reception. The program starts at 6.30, and there will be time for Q&A after that. Further info, contact uh, Monsignor Michael Mannion at mtmannion, M-T-M-A-N-N-I-O-N, 
at comcast.net. And we've talked about this before. I will be here. I'm very excited for this. The uh, f this this uh, walk here in Ventnor, Saturday, April 27th, from 9 to 1:30. Registration is 8 to 8:45 a.m. This is the following the way of St. James on the road of life. It's really a day of spiritual exercise and walking to celebrate and support the health and well-being of all our parents and grandparents. And this is inspired by, we talked about this, the El Camino de Santiago, right. the way of St. James. And this is sponsored by the Vitality Catholic Healthcare Services. Again, this is going to be Saturday, April 27th, 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And registration is 8 to 8.45 a.m. at St. James Church in Ventnor, New Jersey. And then after that, there will be the walk, to, uh, the walk on the boardwalk to the Blessed Sacrament Church Trinity Chapel in Margate. And then adoration, and then a walk back to Ventnor, and then mass, and then lunch. So that'll be a wonderful day. Come on out, say hello to me, and I hope, Mike, I hope you're there too. <laughs> Thanks. That's, that's nice of you to say. Um, I don't what, know. It just kind of it, it was just weird the way it, it was. It struck struck my funny bone the way you said that. Okay. No, I really do. I, I think it'd be great to uh, <laughs> great to see you. And Donna, I hope you're there too. I actually uh, have it on my calendar so that we will come over to that. Okay. Well, that, that's, uh, I look forward to seeing you there. That's the nice thing about being Because here. I'd rather see you, Pete, than Mike. <sighs> likewise, likewise. Um, and then so. You know what? I, 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 unlike most people, I find insults a loving embrace. So anytime you take a shot at me, I know it just means you love me. Easy. <laughs> 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 um. We're having Donna back on every week now, Mike. Thankfully, um, she lives down in Ocean City and is barely ever in the office, so we'll, we'll see when she rolls up again. Well, we do want to. We did talk about a shore, a shore series, Mike. I know, though. That, that she can definitely come to. <laughs> so then after, so that's April 27th, April 28th, another event I'll be at. And uh, you should all come the afternoon of Jazz Plus. I hope there's some Miles Davis and Dave Brubeck on this calendar, two of my favorite artists. This is going to be Sunday, April 28th at Aletto Caters, 1849 Cooper Street, Almanesson, New Jersey. And it's 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is sponsored by the Diocese of Camden's Black Catholic Ministries and Cultural Diversity. And, yeah, you know, I just want to point out uh, that has been traditionally held at another location. This is actually the first year it's being held there. So if uh, you have it in your head is that now you're going to be going back to Glassboro and Massos. Now it is going to be in Deptford at yes. Aletto's, which is a lovely location. You know, it's a great place for this, this event. Oh, I think, yeah, I've been there before. It is wonderful. And even better, the day, if you come in, your $50, uh, your $50 dollar ticket uh, all goes to benefit the Black Catholic Ministry Scholarship Fund to help students in their education. So there'll be fun, fellowship, there'll be dinner, and dancing to the renowned sounds of To The Max. I gotta mm -hmm. get my dancing shoes ready. Okay. I'm excited. Do the, uh, do the Macarena. Enjoy. I will, make, I will make sure that there is a video camera there. I don't know. I don't think you could do the jazz to Macarena or do the Macarena. I kind of hope not, but, uh, well, but then no, again, the I'm all about fusion sound, so yeah. we'll see. The what? Fusion. I like I like fusing disparate things together. So the Macarena and jazz. Let's see. I thought you said Puget Sound. Uh, no. That's on the West Coast. No, I'm starting to think you need the headphones, Pete, instead of so. me. Fu fusion Sound. So this is, you might be right. I might need headphones. Uh, Sunday, April 28th, Aleto Caters. For more information, contact Joe and DeGennaro at 856-583-2904 or the chairperson, Lisa Scott Coley. 856-313-7443. Then also that same day, April is Autism Awareness Month. So the Diocese of Camden is inviting uh, is inviting all to actively participate in the celebration of the Eucharist. You know, um, to come on out for the Eucharistic celebration at St. Teresa of Calcutta Parish at Holy Savior Church, 50 Emerald Avenue in Haddon Township for this uh, to celebrate, you know, and... Um, yeah, it's a great event. Be, it's, yeah, it's an it's an important event too. I, I think so. I'm, I've, I mean, I always knew autism was a was a difficult thing, and it, it affects a lot of families. Um, it has recently sort of entered into my family, not recently, but it's become diagnosed in my family, and uh, there really is a lot to be gained from events like this, um, particularly for families, because depending on 
Well, for any family dealing with autism, but you know, oftentimes it's it can be magnified depending on the severity of the autism. And an event like this can really bring a lot of comfort to families. And the only thing that brings more comfort than than maybe not or adds to the comfort that that Christ brings in an event like this is the fact that you're doing it in community together. Um, during for people who are struggling with with any issue in their lives, but doing it as a community always offers a, even a greater amount of support. So I do hope that uh, if, if autism is something has affected you in one way or another, that uh, you'll, you'll come out to that and, and show support to other people who are, who are, you know, managing their lives with autism. So it's, well it's said. good. Thank you. And Thank the, mass, you. the mass will be adapted to meet the needs of the folks who will be joining us for the celebration. So all are welcome. Yeah. There'll be a reception with light refreshments will follow. In uh, Holy Savior and McDade Hall, which are on the campus of St. Teresa of Calcutta Parish, Holy Savior Church, they are fully accessible. To RSVP for this event on April 28th, starting at 10 a.m., uh, or to volunteer for a ministry, contact Father Hugh Bradley, the co-director of ministry with the deaf and persons with disabilities. Email him at hugh.bradley at camdendiocese.org. And for more info on autism awareness, contact uh, go to the National Catholic Partnership on Disabilities website, www.ncpd.org. And I uh, hope to see you at any or all of these events. And, you know, I just want to add one more thing to that event. Um, you, you mentioned it uh, briefly in there. Oftentimes for, for families with, with autistic family members, you know, particularly those whose autism is a bit more severe and, and results in outbursts, um, it can be uncomfortable going to a mass. Uh, this is a mass where no one will be uncomfortable if, if you or, or someone that you're with um, is loud or active um, in the mass. So this is one where you should feel very comfortable no matter what degree of, of autism you're, you're working with uh, to be able to attend the mass. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there because I know sometimes people can be semi-self-conscious about that. All right. So now that I've bared my soul with autism and other things. Um, the um, One of the things, uh, this is a unique podcast today. Uh, we have a lot of female voices on it. So I'm going to do something we've never really done with a podcast before. I'm going to ask everybody to introduce themselves and say a particular phrase so that later on in the podcast when we, Pete or I or Donna, forget to introduce somebody by name, you'll have a better idea of who it is is, is speaking when they're, they're answering a question. So we're going to go right to left, starting with... Uh, my name is Sister Agnes, and this is my voice, what it sounds like. Yes. My name is Connie Besh, and this is my voice. My name is Sandy Martinez, and this is what I sound like. My name is Emma Hilton, and this is my voice. My name is Mariah Wilkins, and this is my voice. Thank you for doing that very infantile <laughs> but important thing that we have to do when we have a lot of, and it wouldn't just, if it was a lot of male voices, I'd do the exact same thing. But it, there, it, it, when you hear, when you have a gender-heavy podcast like we are right now, particularly with Donna with us as well, it can get difficult for listeners to figure out who's talking at any given time. So it sets them up at least to know who's talking. So, Peter. Uh, we've come to one of our favorite places, although this is the first time we've done the podcast in this building, right? I believe so. Yeah, yes. I think, but beautiful building. So, Father Benedict House. Uh, who are we with today, and why are we here? Well, we're here with the Sister Agnes, the servant. Is that your your title? Local servant. Yeah, local servant. Local servant here in Atlantic City for the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal, and the St. Michael's Missionaries, which is a pretty. Uh, the pioneers, I guess we can say the four pioneers, four young women, uh, courageous young women who are here to, uh, they've been spending time here since September doing, what, what have they been doing, Sister Agnes? How about you explain? That's a good question. <laughs> no, um, so the St. Michael Missionary Program, uh, the women that have come here um, have made a commitment of living in community, living a commitment of prayer life together, and um, joining into our apostolates that we do as the sisters, Franciscan sisters of the renewal here, specifically with the Father Benedict House. They help us to run our ministry from here, but um, they help with other uh, works with the poor that we do here in Atlantic City, as well as our works of evangelization. So it's been, it's been a, a real joy to have them and um, 
I think, a real blessing to, to the people here in Atlantic City, to us. We're really going to miss them. They end in May, and um, they're, they're coming from all over, each one of them. That's actually... That's probably a good question that I should have added to your 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 litany of uh, where is it that you are from. So let's go back around again. Sorry, we're coming. Uh, yes, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, again, this is Sandy, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. I'm from England. And this is Mariah, and I am from Sacramento, California. Uh, Emma, what, what part of England are you oh, from? Liverpool. 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 Okay, there you go. The uh, so now I think that's really. I, well, let's, there's a lot of ways to start this conversation. Let's start it this way. Um, Sister Agnes, what really was the genesis for this? Yeah, so um, Bishop Sullivan had invited us to the diocese back um, uh, over two years ago, and we arrived in the diocese um, August, actually July 31st, 2017. And um, when the bishop invited us, he showed us the convent where we live, which is the former St. Michael Rectory, and he'd also shown us the former St. Nicholas Convent, and um, we'd asked him if we could possibly use this building for an outreach to the poor, but also in, um, in vision of having a formation program for young women who are maybe discerning religious life or want to give a gap year of just trying to figure out what's next for them to serve alongside the sisters and to receive formation with us and live a life of prayer and community. So um, really that's that was the vision from the very beginning from Mother Lucille and Mother Claire. And then also, um, you know, when we came here, the building needed a lot of work. And so it was um, a twinkle in our eye. <laughs> and um, about January, I remember talking to Mother Claire and the other council, Mother Lucille actually at that time, and the other council members. And um, we were talking about, like, are we going to do this, this program? I asked Mother Claire um, and Mother Lucille. And they said, um, yeah, I was planning on it. And I said, well, we better, we better get this building going. <laughs> so everything was kind of put off until the summertime. And um, from the month of July to August, we had very generous help and benefactors and friends that helped to renovate the building and then the missionaries moved in in September, which is really a miracle. Um, and they, it's just been a great experience for us and, and I think then for them too. So I, I guess my question for the missionaries is what drew you here and, and how did you hear about this as an opportunity? Um, this is Connie. Um, so I first heard of the sisters um, just through a YouTube video, and I did two come and sees, and then I knew I wanted to do more mission work before I entered the convent, just to transition from a normal working world to um, religious life is a big change. Mm -hmm. And um, I looked at, I don't know, probably 10 different mission programs and did phone interviews with a bunch of people. And this was really the only program that hit all of my desires. Um, and those desires were already there before I even heard of the program. And then this program came around and I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. So here I am. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I was discerning religious life with the CFR community. So it really just made perfect sense that I would come and do the missionary program and really um, have an opportunity to, um, in a way, like shadow their life and, and see what it's like and then um, try to see if the Lord was calling me um, to, to this kind of life. So, yeah. I um, was discerning with the community and thought that this would be a good opportunity to grow in prayer and community life. It's discerning a bit along the various postulates if this was for me. And then, yeah, similar, I mean, I think we all, we all, Figured out, found out about this about this program through visiting the sisters in the first place. Um, but yeah, for me at the time when I made this decision, I was finishing up AmeriCorps. I was a full time volunteer with the government at a social service agency in California, and so that was wrapping up. So I needed to find something new, no matter what. Um, so I was applying to jobs, but then I had remembered hearing about the missionary program a few months prior, and I was like, oh, what is that? It's probably not very practical for me to do that, but what is it? Um, and went, found more information, and a big desire for me was like, okay, I am stuck in my vocation, vocational discernment. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next, and really felt like spending this eight months would really allow me to, to figure it out, to spend more time in prayer. 
ask the questions about myself and about what God's plans are for me that I might have been afraid to ask, things like that. So that was a big motivator. And then I knew I already loved missionary work and service. Like that was an obvious thing for me, but but the vocational question was my, I think, main motivator. And coming in, you've, the four of you have really hit the ground running. I'm looking at the schedule here. Uh, I did, I did a story with the, with all of you. I kind of see this as part two. So I would like to say we're going to continue. You know, read my story, and then you'll understand this podcast. But I don't think that's possible. So no, I mean I'm happy to start. So with um, how's the just the pillars of formation that Sister Agnes, so three of them, the prayer community and works of mercy kind of the foundation of this and then you can you can speak okay great yeah yeah so the three pillars um we felt were most important um are really the three pillars for religious life as well so um prayer being number one in our life and then community life so that that prayer being our um, love relationship with the lord and then our um, community life, how we live out that that love relationship with the Lord with one another, and then our community, then our apostolate or our ministry, which um, works of the poor and also evangelization. It's our way of then sharing that love that we experience in our relationship with Jesus and in community that we can go out and love others because we all know it's so much easier to love others outside, but to learn that that real love in the school of love in our families and in our homes and in community life is where we really grow. And one of the things that uh, happened today actually before we came the Father Benedict house twice a week Tuesday Thursdays and can you explain that program and, and maybe some of you the missionaries can talk about their experiences doing that as well with the Father Benedict which is amazing. I've been to it a few times. What is it, Sister Agnes? Um, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we've been serving from 10 to 11.30, and it's an outreach for the very poor in, in Atlantic City. Mostly the homeless come, but it's also some of just the needy in the area, and it's built really a sense of family life, community life for the people that we serve. We serve coffee. It's very simple, um, active love of serving coffee donuts bagels with the poor um, and we have a chapel here they can light candles and it's really allowing them to experience feeling loved that they feel their dignity because we feel like many of these people they're in their addictions and have um, a lot of brokenness in their lives they don't even feel lovable to get the helps that they need so we're simply trying to bring God's love to each person that we encounter here so that maybe eventually they can take the steps that they need so I would like to ask a question. So in, in tagging along to what Sister Agnes had said, right, being, being in the school of love, would you be able to talk about kind of what was your most profound moment in the last eight months of being here in the school of love? I know, eyebrows going up all <laughs> over the place. Because I actually am positive you had many experiences here. But could, would you be willing to share those with us to let us know? Because you've spent eight months and being in this mission program. And I think people would really love to know what it's like to live the lives that you're living in discernment. And it would be very helpful for us to hear it. No pressure to anyone, but I will, I will, I will pass the microphone. Don't be afraid. This is what she does to everybody. Right. <laughs> um, I would say, um, so I tend to be a very perfectionist type of person. So I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all out. Um, something I've realized um, this year has just been um, the power of obedience and um, the power of um truly giving your will to the Lord. Um, I remember coming to Sister Agnes with a litany of all these things I wanted to give up for Lent, and she was like, no, 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 maybe. Uh, and I was like, oh, come on, I just want to do all these things for the Lord. Um, and something I quickly realized was that the Lord didn't want me to do all of these crazy ideas that I had in my head of what was, would we what would be a good sacrifice he wanted me to love like she said my community um he wanted me to truly pour myself out to the people that are around me um because that is the sacrifice that he's looking for um so i've truly seen that just like i i love these girls so much and i know we're all gonna miss each other um so i know in my heart like i can feel that um 
that I've truly like loved, loved them. So um, I'm sure we'll keep in contact after after this year. And yeah, it's been such a privilege um, to just like learn from them. Like we're all so different. We all have such different talents and experiences. Um, we've all really been able to like grow from each other and learn um, from one another. It's been really beautiful. Thank you for that. For me, it was uh, the opportunity to be personally present with each member that came in uh, to the Father Benedict House and also living in community. Like God's called each of us from literally different corners of the earth to be together as a community and we might have all different likes and dislikes, um, be at different stages in our faith journey and discerning with God, but it's the, the chance to grow and be personally present with each individual and know that they're cherished and loved as a child of God as individuals um, in spite of differences that they are who they are because they're a child of God Thank you Emma Mariah <laughs> <laughs> Oh man I was yeah I, I was trying to think of a moment um, and I can't really think of a moment at the, at the moment um, but just a thought kind of a, a different uh, approach <laughs> we have a quote that sister agnes has taught us to communicate is to love um that we often say um so yeah one thought i have of just like knowing that we are all on board this year to love one another and to communicate and so of course as humans um we've had conflict at different points but I think one thing that's been so beautiful about this particular community is that everyone really has that same goal and everyone wants to reconcile. If there is conflict, we don't want it to stay there. We don't want um, it to build any bitterness. Uh, but I think that, so I feel like that's unique, you know, um, that everyone has that same goal. And if somebody needs to bring something up to the other person, like that person does the best they can to receive that, to grow from it, vice versa. So that's one thought that comes to mind in that school of love. <laughs> Thank you for the share. I appreciate that. It would be nice if we could all, I mean, it's so beautiful for all of you to sort of call that out. Uh, it would be nice if all people could actually do that in their own families. The world would be a better place. So really, for you all to share that, come together and love each other and in that school of love, but also sharing what you do for the community that's here, right? Because you ex bestow a lot of love on the people here in Atlantic City. So we really appreciate everything you've done all of these months. Speaking of that, I mean, what um, what things have you done in Atlantic City that have really sort of resonated with you, whether it's at Benedict House or elsewhere in the diocese or elsewhere, elsewhere in the city? Um, one thing for me was um, the first time that we did street evangelization. Uh, so we just take sandwiches out, some waters out, uh, maybe some prayer cards, and just meet people on the street where they are in their environment. Um and so just the idea of going out to the people and inviting them into the Father Benedict house, like just that concept, I was like, that is so beautiful, um, so simple. Um, you know, anyone could do it, but uh, that was one thing that I was really attractive to me. Um, yeah, a lot of things. Um, I would say one of the things, even today we were talking about it after Father Benedict house, um, just how um, the sisters tend not to shove religion down people's throats and I really appreciate that because I feel like a lot of people are expecting that um, and we've been here now eight months um, you just see like they are the ones that start bringing up the conversation about God and there's this freedom in them that when when they're the ones that are ready to, to talk about it um, then you can start you know having this like real and raw conversation um, sister Joseph I think was talking about how there was someone at the hospital and <laughs> and they were filling out their paperwork and under like religion they put the sisters <laughs> which was so like yeah it's just like they they see something and they're attracted by the love um, that the sisters um, show and it's it's been so powerful to see that and to be a part of it too you know you know, it's interesting that you, you phrased it the, the way you did, um, that the sisters don't shove religion down your throat. Um, I, I might counter that by saying that they don't do that or they do it they do in fact do it in a way but it's so under the radar you don't realize it's happening which is kind of what, what you alluded to but but it's true i mean the the particularly the sisters here and you know we're not and I, and I don't mean to to not refer to or to cast aspersions on any other community and i don't um 
But I think the the CFRs in particular have done a great job of of evangelizing through modeling um, that you you model a certain way of being and the way they you know their faith is so it's like a excuse the terrible uh, connection here but it's almost like a halo around them that that, that not necessarily around their head but their whole body um, that that you get that sense of it and it's and I think it's you know and hey listen. You know, we had the sisters on, and we we talked about their you know discernment process and how they came to their vocation, and and they were very open and honest that you know that they were not saintly back in the day. That this is something they've sort of strived for, and um, and it's beautiful, and it's it's a constant reminder for someone like me who, as Donna knows, is so terribly flawed that there is the possibility of that I can at one point. You know, if I keep working at it and I keep surrounding myself with good people like Donna and uh, Pete, um, that you know that 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 this is this is an opportunity that exists for all of us, which is I think why people like Donna in particular, uh, but so many people have gravitated to what the sisters are doing here down in Atlantic City, particularly with like we, we mentioned the the first Saturdays that go on. And I can't, you know, Connie, you brought up the the street evangelization, which as a lifelong Catholic blew my mind because you know we're used to seeing other faiths do that we're not used to seeing catholics do that and it's so many of them just so many of the people who had come to those things just lay people really jumped at the opportunity it was incredible can i ask a question about that because i think so had you any of you done that type of uh, outreach before right the street evangelization and the whole idea of like just giving someone an encounter with you and you're feeding them and you're talking to them and the whole idea of, you know, this phrase that we're not shoving religion down anybody's throat, but you're loving them, right? Had you done that work before? And if you hadn't, what was it like to then go forward and do it? Because everybody needs to think about doing it, not because they're in a missionary program to discern or because they've chosen their vocation. Like all of us need to be in a position to do that. So I'm curious if you can talk about what it was like to to either do that the first time and how comfortable you are with it now. Sure, yeah. Um, I had done it not frequently and I was definitely not comfortable with it. Can't say I'm 100% comfortable with it now. Um, but I had done it with Christ in the City actually. Um, and that's in Colorado. Um, so I did that just for like a month's time. And then um, the job I worked at had a bunch of leftover food every day. And so every once in a while I would take a cooler dish downtown and, and do it. But it didn't, um, you know, just wearing lay clothes. Um, it doesn't provide as much opportunity. The people don't feel as safe with you um, to share. And so I was just some random person giving out food in Omaha. Whereas here when I'm with the sisters um, and they're in their habit and I'm in the skirt, it just um, have really shows... Uh, it has opened my eyes to see the power of wearing the habit um, and how people feel safe instantly. They can just go deep to the heart. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Connie. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I had experienced um, doing uh, this type of work before. My mom was actually a very huge fan of, of doing this. So um, I remember once a month we would go to the store and just buy a bunch of bread and ham and cheese and make sandwiches and then go and, and give them out to people. Um, so I, I think it was a, a little bit um, comfortable with it. But it was, it was so beautiful to just be able to experience that. My mom has been in Mexico for about eight years now, so it hadn't been a while since I had gone with her. Um, so it was good to, to go back at it. But yeah, Connie's right. There's just a power to um, the people seeing the habit, and it's just this, this freedom to be able to talk, to talk about the faith. And um, also, they, sometimes they just pour their life out to the sisters or to us because they see a huge crucifix and a skirt on us. So yeah, it's been beautiful to see that. I'd had some experience prior, both in my hometown, Liverpool, and then also when I worked out in Kenya on the streets. Um, and just that powerful experience of being able to encounter each person um, and to let them know that they're loved by God um, was very powerful for me. But then acted as a catalyst to come in here um, and being able to treat each person and each different experience uh, as new and with, with respect. Thank you, Emma. It was interesting. So Sister Agnes gave me a tour of the this Benedict house because I'd not been here before so walking me through all the floors and all the things that are available 
uh, including where you all stay, not in your rooms. Um, <laughs> but even even the fact that there's a there's a place up there for for the people that do come here, you know, because Sister said they don't even know their own dignity. So there's a place upstairs, and there's clothes upstairs. There's a place for them to have a shower and and get cleaned up. And I thought, how beautiful is that? Is to is to help somebody realize their dignity. You know, so really there's some really powerful work that occurs here. So, but I don't want to miss a chance, Mariah, for you to answer the question I had asked earlier. What was it like for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I have some experiences similar. Um, in particular, when I was going to college, I went to Franciscan University. And a few different things I ended up doing, like mission trips or when I became an RA, there was really good training. And we went out. There were times we didn't really, it wasn't really food involved, but we would just ask people if we could pray with them, like, we walked through a mall, the Dollar Tree. The Dollar Tree is where I prayed with a lot of people, actually, <laughs> uh, which is really cool. So, yeah, I've done that. Thankfully, I, I've been blessed. Like, I really like talking to strangers. I really enjoy it. So, um, yeah, so I, I wasn't uncomfortable with it, but I do really enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think I, I just want to talk, get to know the four of you and, and your backgrounds. So can you share a bit about your family life, your faith back home, uh, your community, and also what what was your reaction to your family and friends when you told them you were going to spend a year in Atlantic City? I'll start. Um, so I was raised Catholic, but it wasn't a huge part of our life. Um, and let's see. So yeah, as I mentioned, right before this, right before becoming a missionary, I was working in the secular world in the social work industry. Um, so if I'm forgetting the other questions you asked, but, um, Just what the family, family's thoughts. reaction. Yeah. Your family's yeah, reaction yeah. to you, you Come know, when they realized you'd be coming to Atlantic City. Yes. Yes. Um, when I, so I was a pretty last minute one with this program. Like I only decided a month before, so it, and it all happened really fast, like my application and then actually saying yes to doing it. So I know if my parents, it was kind of like out of nowhere <laughs> when I told them, um, that I was like going to maybe move like they weren't surprised by what it was because I've been discerning religious life I've done missionary work before so like what it was didn't surprise them but just like the timing of it um I know my dad had some safety questions like just <laughs> where is this gonna be <laughs> you're going west to east coast so yeah but I don't know like I don't remember what I had said that made him question it but Luckily, the sisters have had plans that, you know, we have an alarm and things like that. But my dad would wonder about that. And my mom had practical questions of like, okay, so you're going to be 27 by the time you're done with this. Like, what are you going to do then? And yeah, so they had some practical questions, which were valid. Um, but for the most part, besides that, like once I continued in the application process, they adjusted and got used to the idea, basically. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, I come from an child family, um, and I grew up um, in a very Catholic family, but my family were really, really supportive of coming here. I was first, in the opposite to Mariah, on the programme, so I had a bit longer than everyone else to get used to the idea of coming. Um, but, yeah, my family were really supportive of me coming um, and just wanted me to enjoy the experience. So. And they didn't have any problems with you coming to the U.S.? There were no issues related? I mean, Atlantic City in particular, you know? America's gangland uh, out there in terms of, I mean, Atlantic City was known for, for its mob ties for years and the gambling. I think I'll just reiterate what was previously said about uh, it's just being in the habit. I think they were like, well, it's not if you're just going off on your own. Um, they, they were very much of the view that because I was with the sisters in the habit that any safety concerns weren't, weren't going to be... Um, <laughs> wow, sister really is magical in that regard. I told really? you. That's what yeah. I, it's, it's a halo around. It barely extends to all of them. Hell, it's Mike, like a force I need field. sunglasses. Do you have sunglasses, Mike? Dude, you actually, I was actually going to make fun of you. You walked in wearing your sunglasses. You had them on for like three minutes. I couldn't. It was like, you had these, these cute little Ray-Bans on, and you're like all excited about your I don't know. You just call my sunglasses cute. Your sunglasses were cute. The rest of you, I have no comment over, but the sunglasses were nice. I'm sorry, um, okay. Well, I come from, um, well, my family was Catholic, but basically just because we're Mexican, you know, it was more of a cultural thing than us actually being Catholic at all. Um, uh, my mom, my mom is a single parent, uh, my older brother and I, 
Um, and uh, we struggled economically uh, growing up, which is part of the reason why I feel like I'm very passionate about helping the poor, uh, just because I lived in shelters and um, just saw the generosity of people and, and wanted to give that back to others, um, uh, just feeling the impact in my own life uh, of that. Um, what was the other question? Oh, my fam um, so when I came to be a missionary, um, my mom was super excited, <laughs> like beyond excited. We both had our conversion um, at a similar time when I was uh, 12 around, uh, which is when we really hit rock bottom economically. And ever since then, my mom's just been really devout and into her faith. So um, I think, you know, like Emma was saying, or like Mariah was saying, um, she, she saw it coming, like me wanting to discern religious life and and missionary work. I had done uh, net ministries for a year. So yeah, she was super supportive and, and very excited um, to have me come. And it wasn't much of a change for her because uh, like I said, she's been living in Mexico. So, and I've been in Portland, Oregon. So um, we, I, I still um, call her, so it hasn't been much of a change for her. Yeah. Yes, I also grew up Catholic, um, and we'd go to Mass on Sundays, pray before meals, pray before bed. Um, that was kind of all it was for me. Um, and um, let's see here. What else did you guys ask? <laughs> your, your, your reaction, your family, your community. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, well, I have been talking about doing mission work. Um, since my reversion in 2011 and so I think everyone knew it was coming just didn't know what that would look like um, so yeah I mean uh, they were expecting something and I also lived with a secular institute for seven months about two years ago which is similar to um, a religious order but um, so there's been little steps along the way that have showed signs and um, prepared my family for me leaving and so so I'm I'm curious. We've we've had a lot of conversations about you know the the, the wonderfulness of this experience and certainly the, the 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 fantastic nature of Sister Agnes and and the the other sisters here, which I love showering Sister Agnes with praise because <laughs> because Don is not used to it because I never uh, shower anybody in praise. Um, but I'm curious. There, there must have been difficulties as too in your time here. I'm, I mean, let's, you know, we try to be a little authentic on the podcast. And what have been some of the, the struggles that you've been able to either overcome or that you are still working to, to overcome? You don't have to release any secrets out there, but I mean, if there's any that you'd be comfortable talking about, like, uh, like either here or in your discernment in general. Okay, the first thing that came to mind was, um, so I was raised in a family that's very efficient, like much of America, I think. And so that's always been my mindset. It's like, okay, we're going to do this in this order. It's going to work really great, and we're going to be done. Um, and then we can go on to the next thing. But it's like, what is the point in that? Where's the love in that? Like, where do you see God in all of that? So that was super hard for me here, um, just s learning to slow down. Um, it's okay if the dishes don't get done in 10 minutes. Um, it's more about like enjoying the time and the conversation. And so, um, and just like an ordinary life, just picking a virtue and working on it. So um, I chose patience. And so, um, yeah, continuing to work on it, but it's definitely gotten better. At least I hope you guys agree. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, yeah, I think anything worth doing is gonna have its challenges. So um, I feel like there's definitely been growing pains, but that's what they've been. Like, just all of us have been growing. I've seen growth in my life, and I've seen growth um, in the rest of the missionaries. Um, but it's definitely um, been like a struggle. It's easy. I always say that it's easy to ignore your flaws when you're by yourself, but when you're in a community, they just tend to, you know, rise to the surface. You can't really ignore them. Um, so yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely seen. Um, seen struggles but um they've been good i think um i've seen i've been able to see like my what my weaknesses um in particular i tend to like take too much on um and then i get really overwhelmed um so i've been able to um focus mo more on relying on the lord and relying less on me because if i rely on me i just i've learned that i that's not a good idea. <laughs> I just will automatically fail. Um, so 
I think um, being pushed and um, like Pete said, um, our schedules tend to be like full and um, there's a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, apostolate and study and growing. Um, I think this year has helped me to grow in in just relying on the Lord. Um, Like my strength is not enough, but his is, so. I think for me, the the biggest challenge this year has been uh, the culture shock of coming to a different culture and a different, um, and also working alongside this, which isn't what the world would choose necessarily. Um, but also, for me, getting used to the the different prayer times um, was also a, a initially a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in day to day life, like I always struggle to be in the present, mo- just be in the present moment. So I, th- I really think that this year has been um, a, re- a real helping. Thing in, in enabling a, a, our structured life, I think I think um, provides a platform to to be able to be in the present moment of, of each thing that we're doing. You know, I, that's always great to hear because um, it's one of the things I have the hardest time with as well. I mean, you've probably seen me; I've been on my phone a ton because I've been doing a, this and three other things. And actually, when I left work today, I specifically wanted to make sure that I was focused on this podcast because this is a special podcast for us. And we're very excited about that, that you agreed to be on here. And we always love having Sister Agnes on. And then we saw that we got a couple of visitors in the background. We always like to see uh, a couple extra people in the in the group. And it's, to us, it's, a, it's the sign that the, the community down here is very healthy. But you did say something I wanted to get back to, which was uh, a little bit of culture shock. So what did you find culturally uh, shocking? <laughs> you should have a camera right now, Mike. Take Emma's picture. Where's Instagram Live, Mike? Put that back on. Can I say, can I say the whole thing? Yes, you can. We'd like to hear. No, I meant like that was my answer. Oh, that's um, It's fine, Emma. Well, if I, if I can... Maybe uh, I was going to ask this question, but I guess I'll tie this one with Mike. For me, I don't know. I think about food, and I'm thinking, like, if I went from England to Atlantic City, from Liverpool, home of the Beatles, to, like Mike said, you know, the gangster or whatever with Atlantic City. I shouldn't say that. Atlantic City is wonderful. I love this place. But, I mean, was there, like, I mean, did somebody say no tea? (laughs) Did somebody say that? I thought I heard no tea, like... Or, uh, well, one example of like the culture, for example, um, is a different terminology and the language used. Because remember, a few weeks ago, um, Sister Agnes wanted to put something on the drawing board, and I said, oh, "There's some drawing pins up in the office." I said, "You mean you mean thumbtacks?" And I was like, "Oh, that must be the word for drawing pins." But just uh, simple yeah, things like the terminology, yeah, the most basic things that you w- wouldn't think of normally, are suddenly like a whole different world. You've been seven months here, right? Have you, have you seen it? Has it? You're you're slowly. It's it got easier. Got easier. It got easier. <laughs> what about you, Mariah? Yeah, my my challenges of the year. Was it a big culture shock from Sacramento to to here? No, no, no. The accents, but it's not a shock. It's just like different and kind of fun. Like today, we don't have accents. Some people do. I know what you're talking about. Somebody, someone's name was Karen, but she said like Karen or something. I don't know. Like the with her accent, it sounded really different. Well, Sacramento has a very unique accent. It's it's. Oh yeah. Do do you ever see the Do you ever see the movie Lady Bird? Yeah. Well, they actually that was one of the elements they put in there was the very unique accent of Sacramento. I did not notice that. Yeah, so I'm listening to you going, "Yep, sounds really? just like her." Yeah. Seriously. I, after this, you can you can imitate me so I understand, but uh, I'm not great at imitation, but I will encourage you to watch the movie if you haven't yet. It's a yeah. movie. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. Okay, so my challenge, um one in particular has been a spiritual one. Um I've actually, like, I don't know what the source of it. I mean, I've been learning a lot about consolation and desolation and St. Ignatius and all that topic there, but different um, experiences of doubt in my faith, actually. Um, I think it started in the beginning of the year, but yeah, so that was, like, super unexpected and obviously hard. It's like, I'm a missionary. 
and I'm like, what, I'm questioning things, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. now, you, no, because I'm shocking people. No, 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 no. Actually, <laughs> no, you're not kidding. shocking me at all. You know, we we've done a lot of work with seminarians over the years, and we've worked with the director of vocations of, se- of the seminary. And you know, we've come to learn, and I've and I try to explain this to people all the time who might be afraid of the discernment process that. This is what the discernment process is about. This is in any vocation, whether it's a, a married vocation or a ordained vocation or a religious vocation. Remember what it is that that these moments of of really delving deeply into what you are doing and what you might be doing into the future and all the doubts that come with it. For me, I mean, you know. I know I joke about being the cold-hearted PR person, and it's all true. But, you know, I mean, a lot of it, there are things that come up that challenge you. Sometimes they challenge your faith. Sometimes they challenge it more deeply. And learning how to process that, I mean, that being able to do that, to think wisely about it and in your case have a community that you can you can lean on in those moments is is outstanding you know yeah. i just have pete and you know, every now and again it works and sometimes it doesn't i mean i have a wife too and child they they, they might be more helpful than pete but <laughs> but uh, and then donna just tells me to get it together and move on but uh but no that's that was actually i i'd, I'd like you to expand a little more yeah on that. for sure for sure so I don't know, just a, a couple different times this year, I'd be in prayer and then be like, who is Jesus? Um, I just was kind of somewhat of a crisis of faith um, at different points throughout this year. So, I mean, <laughs> I was like, okay, I want to figure this out. Like, And it's just interesting because I'd never had this question before. You know, it just, I just, you know, going through my life as a Catholic, I just kind of soaked different things about his life, about who the scriptures say he is. And I've had a personal prayer life for many years. Um, so I've been talking to Jesus for all these years too. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure where it came from, but, but it's been good, you know, <laughs> like there's been moments of like kind of despair and like shame, um, at different points, but I'm, I'm thankfully I'm feeling a lot stronger now. Um, and then learning about desolation, which I really wouldn't know how to explain it super well because I've never tried to explain it, but, um, I've like, it's a way God permits kind of darkness and emptiness yeah. and things like that in our, in our life of faith. Um, so just kind of after the fa- fact of being in it, I've learned more about it. And so I'm like, okay, this is normal. Other people go, go through this. Um, so that's been really good. Yeah. Now imagine if you had gone through that, imagine that that was a moment in time that happened outside of the fact that you're here. Yeah. But by God's will, <laughs> that moment in your life happened while you were here. Yes. While you yes. were surrounded yes. by these people <laughs> whom I was going to go out on a limb and say might have supported you even if they weren't doing it consciously or perhaps made it worse. I don't know. But that but but it's it's but that's true though. I mean, look at where you are when you had that crisis. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely been so good like um, actually, when I, I did another come and see visit, like discernment visit with this this community CFRs in New York, and it came up again, and like that theme of doubt and questioning, and do I even have faith? Um, but thankfully, I was able to talk about it, like, and that was so that was so good. Like, I was like super honest that week, even though I was having these struggles. Um, I didn't keep it to myself because I knew if I did I wasn't going to get anywhere I was going to stay stuck in it yeah. so wait wait just, just out of curiosity Sister Agnes is she ordinarily overly restrained I don't get the, that impression from Mariah that she she keeps the, plays things tight to the vest we've only been together a few minutes and yet I've kind of decided that you're right you're right but you know I mean that's that's what the Satan would want us to do you know is to keep it quiet so yeah. I'm thankful that in the midst of feeling like down and, and, and ashamed or weak um, that at least God gave me the strength to talk about that. So, Well, I what? think... <laughs> no, no, I think that you were talking about that desolation. It sounds almost like a desert experience here in Atlantic City. Maybe, like in, in, in a different... You never yeah, heard that? Like dryness. Desert dryness. Desert dryness. Spiritual desolation. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's... So, but I think God wants those questions. I mean, yeah. I think the... Um, it's good to have uh, I think we grow when we're ourselves and God allows us to be ourselves and you know the desolation I've had those moments before and it's definitely helped me realize I have to follow on God I think Sandy you were talking about you know 
we shouldn't rely on ourselves, we should rely on God. So it's in those moments where God might take away stuff or make me make us feel alone mm. when really he's only taking away what we don't need and we still clearly see him. At least I, I believe that. Yeah, the one thing I would comment on, so I have a particular Ignatian spirituality bent, mm. right? So I've studied the spiritual exercises. So there are two things that you commented on. Um, that I love and that I anchor to. It's like, what is spiritual desolation? And God permits it, doesn't cause it, but he permits it because there's something we need, mm. right? So what is spiritual desolation? It's when God feels far. The other thing you said is, um, I think you said during one of your come and see visits, mm. you told someone, right? I can't remember what rule that is, 11, 12, 14, <laughs> tell a holy person. Yeah. So when you're feeling that way, it's tell a holy person how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. St. Therese of Lisieux has a story. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but when the night before her final vows, right? This is the holiness, wants to be in the convent long before they want to take them. She begs the Pope, please let me in. They let her in at 15. Mm-hmm. The night before her final vows, she's in the chapel and she's thinking, nope, don't belong here. Not taking my vows, leaving tonight. And she goes and she gets the mother superior and she tells her, and the mother tells her, it's very good that you've told me. Immediately, all her doubts are gone. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a beautiful story around St. Therese of Lisieux. Right? So when I was 10, I did a book report on her, and I loved her, and I wanted to be her. When I was 14, I discovered boys and cigarettes, and that was the end of that. Right? <laughs> I still always loved her. But I love the fact that you're willing to... Yeah, well, I gave those up eventually. It took me longer. And I married the right boy. So that was my vocation. (laughs) But I think your willingness to be able to talk about those periods, like the things that we struggle with, those are the things that help other people, right? So your willingness to share, very much appreciated. I'm grateful for it. Thank you all for sharing that. Now, Sister Agnes, we're we're coming in on the, the close of the podcast soon. And I'm curious, now that you've had these young women under your belt for a year, and uh, you've sort of seen the, the program sort of evolve and grow or not. Um, you know, what are, your, what are your feelings after this? You're, you're going to lose them next month. What are your feelings about them in particular and the program in general? Yeah, we're going to miss them. I don't know what we're going to do without them. So it's um, for me, it's been a real experience of spiritual motherhood. Um, walking with them, it's been a real privilege and, and gift. And, um, and so I'm grateful. And I think this program's become even more than I ever expected. Um, and I um, think it's going to bear eternal fruit. And I'm so grateful. Um, but it's really been a work of God and have seen that. And it's been so beautiful to see each, each of you cooperating with God's grace um, all along the way. And it's just been so great seeing each of them grow in their own way and receive special graces the whole time. So, yeah. I want to ask, I want to ask if there are any uh, women, young women listening to this, how can, you know, they're interested in this program, how can they find out more? Um, yeah, we're going to um, pretty soon have a new web, a new look to our website. It's going to go live on Easter. Sandy's been helping us with that. So it's very exciting, and there's going to be some information on there. But they could just simply call the St. Michael Convent and, and ask for me, Sister Agnes, if they'd like more information. Uh, uh- one other question. It, it would appear that you've cast a wide net. Um, how did you get young women from so far around the country and you know, across the pond? It's the Holy Spirit because... Um, it's always the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Donna. <laughs> always the Holy Spirit. I know. Um, you know, a lot. the women this first year heard about it through um, discerning with us. And so because of... Um, are the friars who do so much preaching um, all over the world and um, are renowned all over the world. Our um, Father Benedict Rochelle, who's since passed on, and Father Andrew Postoli. Um, many people have read their books, have heard them preach, um, have seen them on EWTN. People know of us. We're still so small, and it's shocking how we can travel. Now the sisters are also traveling, and we have sisters in England and Ireland preaching um, and living over there, missionaries, that um, it's... Yeah, I think just a work of God and people hearing about us and really wanting to live the radical gospel life. And um, it draws them to come and see. 
And um, I think that's what's drawn each one of them was the gospel and wanting to live that more authentically. And um, that's what attracted me. Well, I think it's been a pleasure getting to know all of you, you know, through with the, uh, and kind of you were in the iRace, right? Did, did you, yes. did you get an award? Um, I did indeed. Yes. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> um, I got, I mean, first place in my age bracket. So luckily I just turned 30. Otherwise I'd have no chance. <laughs> no, that's awesome. No, I was just saying that the, um, I was saying that you know you've been ever present at the convocation at different events a few of you were at mike and i remember you from the 100th podcast yeah or i do um i have a swiss cheese memory i don't remember anything but uh nor their names uh, for the first year that they were here oh no sister agnes is secretly telling pete stuff well that, yes. can't, be, that can't be good for me or donna or them <laughs> Wow, Mike, she just she just gave me some dirt on you that I'm not gonna. Oh, I got there's plenty of that out there. Yeah. I didn't know Sister Agnes knew it, but okay, <laughs> she, she is ever present. <laughs> that, that's not true. Oh, uh-oh, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> the, well, I want to know the the four the four of you. Um, what are your next steps? What are, what what's what's going to happen after May first or the end of this month? Well. It's hard to say exactly, but well, we all are flying home where we used to live before coming here on May 1st. We'll start out there for sure. Um, For me, I recently asked for an application to enter the CFRs. So my very first step is to fill that out Um, (laughs) and then turn it in and see what happens after that. That's That's the things that I do know, but there's plenty of unknowns too. Awesome. I'm going to go home to England, and I'm going to see where God leads me. Um, I uh, Well, this year has definitely solidified my desire to enter the CFR community, so um, I'm, I've applied to enter, and I'm going to be coming to a two-week visit. Um, and then after the two-week visit, I have my unknown of just wherever the Lord leads. But um, I feel like there's a lot of peace in just um, knowing that wherever he's leading me, it's, it's, it's good. So, And I am um, going to visit two more communities and then make my decision after that. So um, in my head, I do want to join this year, so hopefully by the fall. But... Um, God's will, God's timing, so um, it's healthy to visit a couple orders. Um, so we'll see after that. Okay, well, thank you all for inviting us in and for, for agreeing to speak with us. And Donna, thanks for coming up from Ocean City to hang out with us and ask the only good questions that were asked today. And Pete, thanks for uh, setting this up. And Sister Agnes, as always, thank you for for having us down. We really appreciate it. And to all of you, uh, including our two guests in the back there, thank you for coming to Atlantic City and and considering and being missionaries. And as two or three of us being on the outside, um, it's been wonderful to see you here. You're a sign of a good, healthy Catholic faith in addition to being a good Catholic, uh, healthy religious community within the, the confines of the diocese. So that's that's outstanding. So thank you all very much for joining us today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Pete, thank you for uh, setting it up. Can I just say something to, to these young women? I just want to say thanks again. And I have a 15-year-old goddaughter who I pray about. I think about a lot in Western PA. And I just... I wish she was here hearing this. I'm going to try to get her to listen to this podcast, maybe come down to Atlantic City for something, because I think she just needs to see something like this and to see this and to uh, to, to know this. Well, I, so. think, I think you need to do what Sister Agnes does, which apparently is strap on your halo and and get just model for her and 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 don't try shoving it down their their throats because as, no. the, as the young woman said, the shoving it down the throats, uh, you know, it's, it's not really what it is. Can I comment? I want to talk about first Saturdays that you do here. So I would put a plug that we would do them longer than than February through June. <laughs> that would be my first plug. Um, 
but really, I think we, wait, wait. We also learn from the, that they take their time. They don't rush things. They, I know. You know, I think that's good. That is I actually good. like that they don't do it all year long. As really? I think it refreshes them. Yeah. Oh, I think. Well, maybe it gets refreshment for you, but the rest of us go into mourning until you start them again. But really, what you do on first Saturdays here is remarkable. So yeah. I've heard many of your witnesses because I love that piece of the day. I love all the parts of the day that happen here. So for everyone listening to this podcast, if you have not been to first Saturday, you have two more opportunities, May and June. Um, but I have loved as you have taken the ambo and told your story. Sister Agnes, you just told yours for April. Uh, it's really remarkable that for the role that each of you play, for what you do for us in this broad community that comes every first Saturday, and I think I've hit them all so far since February and I intend to finish. I was asked to come run a retreat for a group on uh, the first Saturday in June. I'm like, no, I can't make it. Can we pick another day? Because I didn't want to miss, you know? I don't want to miss. So I thank you. Yeah, that was the other part of the reason I couldn't miss my last first Saturday because the bishop is coming. So now we're plugging the bishop for first Saturday, oh, June first. I'm gonna have June to rep- I'm gonna have to apologize to the listeners though and say that uh, I, I tried wrapping this up twice and we keep going on. I, know, I did tell the both of you to ask I know. questions, but I just I just wanted to comment though on your gift to us in the broader Camden diocese around your model of holiness because you really want to make us be holier than we are. So thank you. Hmm. Shut up, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. You're not a model for me. <laughs> uh, that's true. The uh, So now I'm going to wrap it up, unless Pete has one more thing to say. No, I was just going to say, so first Saturday is May 4th. That's it. That'll be fun. I just want to get the date right. I'll be there. And I second that. Those first Saturdays are amazing. Sister Agnes, you're doing something right over here. Yeah. Oh, sure. You take the, take the mic away from her. Real nice. Um, <laughs> she said, praise God. She's right. All right. Nobody else. Anything else to say? Okay. Once again, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for our guests for having us. And this has been Talking Catholic. And we won't be able to top this next week, but we'll do our best. So have a good week, everybody. 